Hello everyone, welcome back to my channel and to the world of fairies. We are now on the letter R and the first one is Radande, but the variation of Radande is Ra. In Swedish folklore it was believed if a particular tree was growing faster than the others in its proximity, this was because the tree was occupied by a type of nature spirit, known as a radande, similar to the dryad and hamadryad of Greek mythology. The invisible radande lived in the tree and tended to its health and prosperity. It was especially fond of lime trees. The radande would punish anyone who caused harm to a tree under its protection, but the fairy could not travel beyond the shadow of the tree. In West Mainland, there was once a pine tree growing out from a boulder said to be under the protection of a mermaid who acted as its radande. Raid, also known as a fairy raid. A raid is the spectacular procession of the trooping fairies. These events can be grandly celebrated or extremely solemn. During the raid, the fairies decorate their horses and on their finest clothes. Sometimes the fairy would take cattle, goods or people during this time. Sealate fairies fly through the air on their beautiful white horses for their raids, while the unsealate fairies present a howling terror, the likes of which is witnessed by a mortal may frighten them to death. A fairy path is said to be created when trooping fairies parade along the ground. Radgrid Nordic Teutonic mythology, Radgrid was one of the named Valkyries, a nymph of battle. Radspak, Council Wise, was one of the many dwarfs named in the Voluspa, just like Radzvin was, or Asvidir. Variations of the name. Another dwarf named in the Voluspa. Radzvith or Radzvithir. Another one of the dwarfs named in the Voluspa. Ragotti. In the fairy tale The Wonderful Sheep by Madame Dionne, there was an ugly but powerful fairy by the name of Ragotti, who owned a beautiful slave he kept in chains of gold. Ragotti was in love with the king who did not return her affection. No amount of her promises of power and wealth or threat of death could convince the king to marry her, as he was already in love with her slave. The fairy became so enraged, she killed the slave girl with a hard look. With a touch of her wand, she transformed the king into a sheep, a spell which would last for five years. The king became the leader of the Ragotti's flock of, of talking sheep. All princess who in some form, way or another, displeased her, she would turn them into a sheep. From time to time, the spell on one of the sheep would end, and the prince was able to make his way back to his home and return to his life. Or princess, the stories do vary whether it's just princes or princesses, or both of them, but she, if they displeased her, she would turn them into sheep anyway. But they do return back to human form after so many years and generally return home. 
Arene, classic Greek mythology. She was one of the named Sirens, a malicious nymph. Raja Jin Peri, in Malay mythology, Raja Jin Peri, King Jin Fere, is a king of the Jin. Ramba, in Hindu mythology, Rahamba is one of the twelve Asparas, but only four of them stand out in Sanskrit literature, this being one of them, of course. Whenever the throne is threatened by an aspiring Rishis, Indra will send one of these three Asparas down to earth to distract them during their meditations. She appeals specifically to those who have attained the first degree of concentration. Randgrid In Nordic and Teutonic mythology, Randgrid was one of the named Valkyries, a nymph of battle. Riosfuer, one of the many dwarfs named in the Voluspa. Raspberry King In the fairy tale, the Raspberry King, from Zacharias Thopelius, the Raspberry King was a benevolent fairy who lived in the raspberry bushes. Described as looking like a small but kindly old man, this fairy wore a white coat and a red hat when he walked. He did so with a limp, as his left foot was quite deformed. Reigning over all the raspberry bushes for more than a thousand years, he must spend one week every one hundred years as a worm by decree of the great spirit who rules over the sea, sky and woods. The raspberry always shows his gratitude to anyone who helps him while he is in insect form. Ratenitsa, a singular being, a female domestic fairy from Russian mythology. She is one of the guardians of horses and stables and such like. She would protect them. Rath, it does have other names. Sitian, Fairy Mound, Burgs, Fairy Knoll, and Fairy Hill. In Ireland, Rath is the traditional home of a fairy. It's described as looking like a mound of earth, or one of the country's many prehistoric earthen mounds. The inside is called the Broch. Also, Irish fae are typically only a few inches tall. Inside the mounds, the space was vast. Sometimes they are seen departing the Rath, mounted upon their tiny horses. Rivayoila, a Serbian nature spirit, and a vila. Rivayoila had the ability to appear as a mortal woman. According to the folklore, she possessed the gift of clairvoyance and had supreme knowledge of healing properties of every single plant. Although she accidentally killed Prince Marco's probatum brother in God. Voivod Miloshishi. She was able, by use of her body, to restore him to life once again. Rawhead. The variation of this name is actually Tommy Rawhead. From the folklore of England and the United States of America, Rawhead and his companion, Bloody Bones, were often used as nursery bogies by parents to trick children into good behaviour or for avoiding a certain activity or area. Whichever was appropriate. Rawhead was said to dwell in bogs and ponds, as well as in little used cabinets and under stairs. Exceedingly ugly, and with a continuous flow of blood drooling from his mouth, 
Rawhead sits atop a pile of bones, waiting for his next prey. Red Cap. The Red Cap's also known as the Bloody Cap, the Dunter, the Ferlarique, Powris, Redcomb. But anyway, the Red Cap is perhaps one of the most evil and malicious of all fairies in Scotland. Prowling the ruins in the Scottish lowlands and along the English border, this hateful, solitary fairy is described as looking like an emaciated man with leathery skin and with little or no hair atop its head. His eyes are fire red, its hands are tipped in razor sharp claws, its mouth full of sharp teeth, and it has a long pointed nose. This fairy is also very strong and can outwrestle any man. Once combat is engaged, there's little chance of survival for the victim, unless they are quick-witted enough to shout out a few verses from the Bible in order to drive it away. The red cap is capable of moving remarkably quicker, despite the fact it wears boots made of iron. A rather interesting point, as typically iron are said to be allergic to the fairies. They are uh, allergic to the fairies. Iron's meant to kill fairies. But though I, I understand how that's been discussed through so many years, I actually... Um, do not believe that, just so we're clear. My beliefs, I don't know. The red hat it wears, and for which it is named, well, it's been dyed with human blood. After each kill, the red cat will clean up the murder site, mopping up the blood with its hat. In some folklore, the red cap is also said to be a cannibal, consuming fairy and human flesh alike. Once the red cap has laid claim to an abandoned castle, it will guard the location with extreme violence, using its sharp scythe to fell anyone it perceived as invading its territory. It will also shove someone off a rampart, as well as pushing Baldons off a cliff down an unsuspecting prey if it sees the opportunity. The red cap is constantly making strange sounds that is described as sort of resembling those of the beating of flax. It is believed when the noise is especially loud, it is a sign of misfortune or death. Robin Redcap was perhaps the most infamous of its kind. It was believed to have been the familiar to Lord William de Sulis of Hermitage Castle. Robin Redcap cruelly abused women, murdered men, and practised black magic. <laughs> Red Cloak Women On the Isle of Man these come from, they're often sighted as little old women wearing a red cloak. Believed to be a fairy, the apt name Red Cloak Woman was seen coming over the mountain ringing a bell just about an hour before church services were about to start. Red Fairies There are a well-documented race of fairies called the Red Fairies. Um, this in, it's in like Merionshire, Wales, during the middle of the 16th century. These fairies were described as having red hair, long, strong arms, lived in den located underground. They were well known to steal cattle and sheep during the night, however placing a scythe in the family's chimney would apparently ward them off. Red-haired man. The red-haired man of Irish law has an affinity for humans, although its reasons are never made clear. This fairy will lead spell-drugged young men out of fairy forts and warn young maidens to refuse fairy wine. 
in stories, the red-haired man acts as Deus e Machina, assisting the hero in solving or escaping an unsolvable issue. And then there's also just the red man, and the red man is really another name for the leprechaun. It's akin to the leprechaun, short, stocky, yellow-faced red man, Irish folklore. Um, it's named this because of the choice of its attire. From his red top hat to the toe tips of his red wool stockings, this fairy takes tremendous delight in causing mischief and playing gruesome practical jokes, as mortal terror amuses it. Usually the red man plans his tricks so well in advance, its prey is caught before they realise they are in of fairy protection. However, if in doubt, say aloud, Nadian Magada. Do not mock me, and this will prevent the red man from victimising you with pranks. He does have the ability to move about invisible, though, and is a master of mimicry and ventriloquism, and it will terrorise men by making scary strange sounds. Its favourite trick of this sort is to make the sound of a dead man laughing emit from a grave. It can also make the sound of angels singing bird calls, Waves crashing against rocks. The red man enjoys his creature comforts, such as a cosy couch, a pipe full of good tobacco, a warm hearth, and a glass of poutine. If these few items are routinely left for the red man to find it in the house, it will become a docile and helpful, just like the brownie, and assist in household chores. It is Vid, one of the many dwarfs, named in the Voluspa. Of course, there are many. Rannis. According to ancient Greek oral poet Hesiod, Rannis, raindrop, was one of the oceanid nymphs from Greek mythology. Rapso. In Greek mythology, Rapso, meaning stitcher, was a nymph of healing in Athens. Rhea. A nymph from the mythology of ancient Greece, she was charged with the care of feeding the infant god, Zeus. Rene, a nymph of the island of Samothrake in the Greek Argian Sea in the mythology of ancient Greece. Retia, also known as Roishia, a nymph from Greek mythology in the island of Samothrake. Rod, also known as Rodia, Rodop. She was one of the 3,000 daughters of the Titans, Oceanus and Tethys. And there's many in the letter A of the 3,000 daughters, just so we're clear. Rai, similar to Mermaid or Siren, Rai was a female sea spirit in the folklore of the Maori people of New Zealand. The rising Gibeages, inhabiting the mountains, giant mountains, these dwarf of German mythology were ruled by their monarch, Number Nip. Interesting name. They're well known for their malignant nature and strictly are nocturnal. They harassed anyone who travelled through their territory. The only means to defeat these malicious dwarfs was to outlast their assault and wait for the first rays of sunlight to strike their bodies and turn them into stone. The Rowan also known as the Rowan, seal maidens in Selke. In Ireland, the Rowan seal are seal fairies of Scottish Highlands. In the same lore, I guess, kind of same thing. A merman 
or have the ability to take the form of a seal. They're the gentlest of the fairy creatures, so they are benign, and they do not even seek revenge upon those mortals who kill seals and their fellow ones. On occasion, one of them will wed a human and produce offspring. These children will have webbed fingers and toes. If the webbing is cut to allow for a greater range of movement, bumpy horn-like knobs will appear on their feet and on their hands. Hmm. The Roaring Bull of Bagbury. If you remember, some time back we did folklore stories, right? And in one of these folklore stories, I told the story of the Bull of Bagbury. Well, this is where that story comes from. A fairy ghost from the folklore of England. The Roaring Bull of Bagbury was once an evil squire who ran Bagbury Manor, a farm between Hissington and Sneed Churches. According to one version of the legend, one of the household staff wished the squire to be transformed into a bull. But in another, the squire was so evil in life when he died, he returned as a gigantic raging bull. No matter how the bull came into being, the story goes on to say it was to terrorise the countryside. It took many men several days to round up the beast and corral it into the church of Hissington. There, twelve clergy surrounded the fairy animal and read him down, causing him to shrink in size. Eventually the fairy was small enough to be trapped into a snuff-box and buried. The location of the snuff-box varies in tellings, but possible locations are the Red Sea and the underside of Bag Bunny Bridge. Robin Goodfellow Robin Goodfellow also is called Puck, Puka, Fuka, Owen, Pan, Jack Robinson, Oak King, Holly King and a Hobgoblin and the Green Man. In British folklore, Robin Goodfellow was a type of domestic fairy, very similar to the Brownie. Born the son of a fairy father and a mortal mother, Robin loved to play pranks on anyone he came across in the woods. He was also adept at mim mimicking animal and bird calls. The first time Robin Goodfellow appeared in print was in the letter written by Thomas Norton to Sir Christopher Hatton, dated December the 30th, 1580, and inserted in Sir H. Nicholas's Life of Hatton. In the work Mad Pranks and Merry Jests of Robin Goodfellow, 1629, Robin was born the child of a proper young woman and a fairy king. Always a mischievous child, at the age of six years, he ran away from home. Eventually he came into the service of a tailor, and soon thereafter they eloped. In the second part of the story, Robin had a vision of his father, Oberon, while he slept, and upon waking discovered a scroll, explaining to him anything he wished for would be granted. The note, evidently left by his father, went on to explain how to shapeshift into the forms of an ape, dog, hog and horse. The letter closed with a warning. Robin was only to harm knaves and queens, and love those who are honest, and help honest people when they are in need. In this second part of the story, Robin's behaviour is more in line with that of a brownie or a niece, and he plays many pranks in the end. Oberon takes his son to fairyland. Robin Goodfellow was also known as Puck in William Shakespeare in the play A Midsummer Night's Dream. There he was described as looking like a Greek satire, having a lusty and playful nature. He played pranks on humans and danced while he played on his pan pipes. 
Robin Roundcap is also called the Hob Thrust. In British fairy lore, Robin Roundcap is a singular individual domestic fairy, very similar to the brownie or the hobgoblin, and this good-natured friend of the East Yorkshire, England, would assist servant maids by doing their chores for them in the early hours of the morning. However, it is said when he was in a bad mood, he would undo his earlier work, so they had to redo it all over again. <laughs> Rota. In Nordic and Teutonic mythology, Rota was one of the named Valkyries, a nymph of battle. Ruamano. In Taniwa, a fairy from the mythology of the Māori people, Ruamano lives in the ocean off the east coast of North Sea. He is known to assist drowning people, helping them to return to shore. He was born the offspring of, offspring of the god Tutara Kaika. Interesting. Ruatani, a species of fairy from the midst of the native New Zealanders. Ruatani was a singular individual fae who had once stolen a human woman, and this woman was called Tarapikau. When Tarapikau, her lover, discovered she was missing, he prayed to his god for advice and was told to find the fellow fairies of Ruatani and ask them to dance. So, this was done. And he was able to obviously find his wife. It was, they had to perform the haka dance, you know. And this ceremony lasted all throughout the night, ending with the arrival of dawn. But when the fairies fell from exhaustion, that's when she was able to make her escape. Lutani discovered how he had been tricked and raised a fairy arm to kill Tadapikau. However, Tadapikau had already raised a much larger army of his own. Upon seeing how greatly outnumbered he and his army was, Luatani conceded the battle and left. Hmm, very interesting indeed. Rumpelstiltskin. I know he's in a story, right? But he's, he's known by many of the names as well. Robiquet, Rikton, Rosania. Sheepshanks, Spindleshanks, Titillature, Tomtit Tot, Whoopity Story, and Winker Kolb. A blackmailer and oppressor, Rumpelstiltskin made Little Rattle Stilt, one of the many German tales collected by the Brothers Grimm and published in their 1812 book. And I've told Rumpelstiltskin on my channel anyway, so. It shouldn't be hard to understand it and actually look for it. So now we're on the last fairy of the R, and this is the Rusalka, plural Rusalki. A Rusalka is a species of succubus-like water nymph from Slavic law. Its name loosely translates to me mermaid. Rusalki are seen as the demons of the dualistic quality of nature, Created when a woman dies an unnatural death, such as in drowning, dying unbaptized, dying a virgin, or having committed suicide. They are described as looking like pale, leaf, startling, beautiful women with loose and wild-looking green hair, or as ugly and large-breasted creatures. Most commonly seen in the summer and winter, Rosalke prey upon men, using their charms to lure men into the water, where they will tickle them to death. Controlling the cycles of the moon, 
These demonic creatures are also said to direct the clouds across the sky, as well as control the weather and the amount of rainfall. The Rosalki are the symbol of life and death, and are said to live in the forest near the edge of a river or lake during spring and summer months. They live in the water in the winter months. Each individual Rosalka is a unique personage with their own tale. So, every single one of them will be very different indeed. And those are our wonderful fairies of the world in the letter R. Thank you so much for listening and joining me on this great adventure of worldwide fairies. Please hit the like, share if you can, and if you're not yet subscribed, please consider doing so. Many blessings.